Hey guys, and we're back with Accurate Perspective in episode eight. I'm Matt Brown, and these are my co-hosts. Guys, how you doing? Good. Good. Enjoying Good to weather. see you again. What's that? Enjoy, just enjoying the weather today. I know it's mm. been. It's actually finally summer. Actually started. Yep. Uh, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hot actually next week. Uh, so today we actually have a, a fun guest with us. It's uh, Kyle Curtis. Watch the special effects. Everybody watch it. Ready? Boom. There he is. And uh, we're going to be interviewing him. Uh, he's running for county commissioner uh, in District 2. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Awesome. Great. So, Kyle, I'm going to I'm starting off first um, with actually asking you some questions. So tell us about yourself. Why are you running um, and anything else? Yeah. Really. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for uh, having me on your show. It's been a lot of fun last month watching uh, the different episodes coming out. Uh, so, as you said, my name is Kyle Curtis. I am uh, running for uh, Yakima County uh, Commissioner for District 2. So there will be three of us running for District 2. You have myself, you have Dulce Gutierrez, and Tony Sandoval. I am the only Republican uh, in that race, and the other two folks, of course, uh, Democrats. I decided to uh, express interest in this uh, opportunity back in January. Um, that was shortly after uh, Commissioner Ron Anderson announced in December that he wasn't going to seek uh, re-election. So I started uh, talking to a bunch of folks in the community, seeing if there was any other conservative that were interested in putting their uh, their uh, name out there and, and just really wasn't stumbling on anyone. And so in about February, I was like, you know what, let's see if I can give this a shot. I think I'm, I'm ready, I've got the experience. Um, I'm very passionate about the community, been involved in the community. And I think I got, I got a, lot of, uh, a lot to bring to the table. Um, one of the big uh, items on my plate is budget. I really feel that the county is gonna be uh, in a uh, interesting situation next year with high inflation, high gas prices, and the potential of a recession. We're really going to need a commissioner who has that financial skill set to help navigate the county uh, through its budget, um, um, as well as public safety is another big uh, issue of mine and affordable housing. Awesome. Um, so with everyone, uh, you know, running, it's not your first rodeo in uh, serving your community. So what kind of community service have you done? Yeah, so I, I've been involved in a lot of different things in different in different ways. I always tell people that there are really three ways that you give back to your community or you serve on an organization. It's either by time, by money, or by action. And so depending on where I've been at in my life and how much time I have outside of my professional job, I've done either or all of them with different organizations. So I have uh, been serving as our uh, treasurer for the uh, Yakima County Republican Committee. I've uh, just, uh, I'll be concluding my uh, second term as treasurer. And I've also served, served as the state committee man for one year. I'm involved in uh, downtown Rotary. Uh, was, I'm a Rotary member for about three years now. I'm involved in a not-for-profit called Yakima Pride. I sit as the treasurer for that organization. Um, and I serve on little things here and there. So I'm a member of the Yakima County Development Association of course, and also Heritage University. I serve on their uh, business committee. Awesome. Kyle, you kind of mentioned it, right? Um, we are in a financially stressful environment. Um, I'm a father and a husband. I have four kids. I know that the inflation is is hurting our grocery bill for sure. So, you know, taking the circumstances of our current economic environment, along with your extensive financial experience, what, what are some actionable steps you would take as a county commissioner to 
possibly alleviate some of the pain that your constituents are feeling, whether it's with inflation, higher gas uh, prices, higher taxes that are coming from Olympia, um, because those higher taxes coming from Olympia, especially with the gas tax, have kind of been washed aside with everything else going on in the world. So what actionable steps, if elected, would you take based on your experience to alleviate some of the financial pressure of your constituents in Yakima County? Yeah, so obviously that's uh, on everyone's mind. I mean, the, the, the price of the gas pump affects everyone and inflation is just making it worse. And if we start heading to, towards the recession, it's going to hurt everyone. It's going to hurt uh, all families across the entire county. So one thing that the county can do, uh, one, is to not uh, impose any additional uh, taxes. So that I'm, I'm staunch, uh, no, no raising taxes. Um, I, I, I think when it comes to the budget, uh, one of the biggest exercises we need to do as a county is we need across the board for all county directors uh, to propose to be ready to address a 5, 10 and 15 percent cut in budget and budget revenue. I think that's good financial practice and it's good exercise to make sure that we as a county understand uh, what variables we may may have to be dealing with. I know our county uh, commissioners have worked diligently to ensure that we have a 15 uh, percent surplus in our budget uh, or, uh, you know, fund over here to, to help address these uh, upcoming issues. But we're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive in our planning and, and to assure that we can adjust uh, accordingly, because we all don't we, we don't know what next year is going to look like. You know, we have uh, some infrastructure funding coming down to the state from the federal and then it'll come down to, to Yakima County. But it's probably going to cost almost twice as much to build a road next year. And that's just the fact of the matter is so we've got our six year uh, transportation plan. We're going to have to prioritize it. We're going to have to make strategic decisions on how we spend these dollars in this most difficult uh, and, and high price time and which projects might have to wait an additional three or so years. Absolutely. One more question for me and then I'll turn it over to my co-host. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit before we started. You may have known a question about Dobbs was coming. The Dobbs decision came out today. Uh, we are just curious about what are your thoughts. And here's the reason I'm asking. Um, I ask certain questions of any candidate at any level that I am potentially voting for, right? So um, it's based on my experience as a husband and a father. I'm, school choice is very important. The gift of life is very important to me. So these are why I'm asking. Some people may say, well, what do the county commissioners have to do with it? Maybe nothing right now, but the way with politics is going, you could have something to do with school choice or um, abortion, pro-life, pro-choice things in the future. It, that's really not out of the realm of possibility. So that's a justification for the question. And again, the question is, what are your initial thoughts and feelings on this Dobbs case? Dobbs case? Yeah, so I mean, again, you, you hit it on it. As county commissioners, hopefully we never have to dabble in, in, in those issues. I think one thing that I pride myself on and my commitment to the county and, and to uh, the constituents is that when you elect me, if I get elected to, uh, to be your next county commissioner, that we won't have Seattle politics, we won't have any of that uh, across the agenda of the county, that we don't have the time of the day to, to, to look at those issues, we don't have time in the day to address them. We have to focus on what's good for the county and moving us forward. Um, in regards to the recent uh, Supreme Court cases that, that just came out, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. One thing that I'm very passionate about is I don't believe it's the business of the courts to make legislation or to make, to make laws, that's not their job. And so what we've seen is, is uh, is kind of some corrections of what, what has been misdone in the past. Um, whether or not, I know there's people on both sides of, of, this, uh, of this discussion, and it will be interesting to see how we in our state handle that. Is there going to be more push, a, a new initiative to, 
to address and to change our laws in Washington, or are we just going to stay status quo? I'm really unsure. Uh, as I shared in a debate earlier this week, I'm very passionate about trying to get elected uh, Republicans in swing districts in our state so that we have that majority in the House so that we can make meaningful change uh, for our state of Washington. Nope. Can't let... Can't hear you, Lindsay. Um, something happened with your mic, but no worries. We're going to keep rolling. Um, and while she figures that out, um, I'm going to jump to my question. And Lindsay, if you can, you just pipe in whenever it starts working again. Um, so uh, for my question is Yakima County is experiencing homelessness at a high rate. Uh, what are you going to do if elected to ensure we do not have another version <laughs> of the crisis that Seattle currently has? Um, and I, I know you mentioned it actually at the debate earlier this week, um, a little bit about that. You just mentioned Seattle politics, but um, you know, we, we are seeing, I mean, in Yakima County, we've, the Republicans have pretty much held the seats of County commissioner seats for a very long time. And in during this time though, we have also seen a huge growth and explosion in homelessness. So I'm, you know, it's like, how, what are we going to do to combat that um, going forward? Yeah, thank you, Matt, for that question. And the way I look at it, again, this is just coming from my experience, you know, in our family businesses and, and kind of where I've been the last five years is uh, it's all about metrics and it's about re rewarding good behavior and taking away from bad behavior. You have good uh, performers and you have bad performers. And I think for us in the county, it's the same six, eight or so organizations and programs that are constantly getting uh, our homeless funds from the department. Of, uh, of commerce, right? They funnel through. And we have this whole system of how we, we hand out these uh, homeless, doll uh, homeless dollars. And uh, it's very bureaucratic. It, I think that there is a huge opportunity to, to uh, track uh, what, who are the good performers to, and to reward those entities that are getting people out of that homeless cycle, getting them back into society. And, and that's really the end goal. It's not to keep people in the cycle. It's how do you get them out of, out of that cycle? Um, I think a lot of uh, the county is is looking around and saying, you know, are these dollars actually working? And in certain 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 circumstances, they are. But in other certain circumstances, it's it's like we're just repeating the cycle and we're not not improving. I think one of the biggest um, components uh, to, to take a look at is trying to alleviate where these funds have to go. I think we constantly focus that it has to be into into beds and, and, and getting people kind of out, out, out of the street and, and out of sight, out of mind. You know, I think the county's policies towards homelessness is that it should be temporary, not tolerable. And the way uh, I would focus my energy and my, my passion is trying to see if we can stop that cycle by addressing that mental and that drug addiction and the, the addiction level before someone starts entering that cycle. Kyle, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, had a lot of friends struggle with addiction issues in the military just based on circumstances, et cetera. Some were homeless and have fought through it. But you, I think you hit the nail on the head with one of the issues, okay? It's the beds. Beds are not available for, for individuals who need mental health counseling, especially in Yakima, right? Um, and this is firsthand knowledge from working at the hospital, knowing people in the ED where homeless individuals are having a, a mental health crisis or a medical crisis and they have to sit in the ED for hours upon hours because no bed is available. Um, as a county commissioner, is there anything the county commissioners can do as a whole to open up extra beds in 
Yakima County? I know it's a difficult question. There's probably a lot of studies and things that go into it, but off the top of your head, is there any avenues that the commissioners can take to alleviate the pressure um, of not having enough beds for people? Yeah, it, it really is a complex issue, and, you know, and, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't dove too deep into it, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but I will say, anytime I have a, an issue come before me, I don't. I tend to try not to recreate the wheel, right? I tend to go out into the world and try to find the best practices. What's working for other counties, other states that are like-minded for our population, like-minded for our beliefs, and like-minded for, for our heritage? Um, I know in Snohomish County, they have been uh, very innovative in how they're handling that exact situation in their jail system uh, and handling the mental health uh, component of it. And they've got some partnerships. They've done partnerships with the, the tribe there, they've done partnerships with neighboring counties to, to, uh, to get more to more beds. So for here in Yakima County, that's where I would look first to see, is it working? Is it, is it going to uh, fit for us? And if it's a good fit, do my darn to put those practices into effect here. I think a lot of times county governments, governments in general, and Matt, you can speak to this too, that, you know, you have this idea over here and, and we get anxious and we're unsure of it. So then we have to develop a committee and a study session and then hire a third party to do analysis. And before you know it, it's three years before we're actually discussing the, it's the same issue and moving forward. I think the citizens of, of the county are tired of, of waiting. I think they want answers. Same with public safety. We don't need another committee. We don't need another study. We need to implement and move forward. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, we'll try this. Can you hear me now? I sure can. <laughs> okay, I have a question as a mom. So Republicans in the past have stood for people's individual rights while protecting morality. Recently, the pride movement in our country has been having drag shows and involving children. What used to be done inside 21 and over bars is now taking place in the presence of children. Would you, as a county commissioner, work to protect the morality of children by not allowing them to be exposed to adult content? So first and foremost, I will say that I, I stand behind like the rest of uh, most conservatives in Yakima County, that the parent is the ultimate uh, uh, responsibility of, of their child. That that works with the parent. Um, in regards to drag shows, I will say that I have attended drag shows in my personal capacity. I've not attended drag shows in any official or organizational capacity. Drag shows historically have been a ton in, ton in cheek uh, in a form of entertainment. You know, they, they range all across the board with, you know, depending on who that, that performer is. I will say my first drag show coming from Yakima was uh, at the University of Washington when I was a student there. And I, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but most of it's comedy, tongue in cheek, really wasn't much to it. As county commissioners, I don't know that I have a role in banning drag shows in the county or anything of that nature. But what I will say is that parental consent is very important. I think drag shows are just rated our movie, you know, you don't really 100% know what you're walking into. But nonetheless, it's the parent who makes that decision. Is this good for my child? And if not, that's that's up to them. I don't think we need to get to a point where uh, drag shows are being introduced into our schools. I think that that really comes down to um, if it's a student club or a student organization or something internal and the school administration wants to tackle that and navigate that process for, you know, bringing those events in, that's fine. But as far as outside organizations coming in, absolutely not. And for for the board that I serve on, which is Yakima Pride, we have not, uh, that's not something that we have been interested in doing. Uh, we support uh, student organizations when they reach out to us for resources and guidance. But as far as jumping into the schools, that's not, not a place that we we work in. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, another question, hindsight being 2020, do you regret the destruction of small business and punishment of business owners in the county by locking down the economy for such a weak reason? Absolutely. I mean, we're a small business. Uh, we run gas stations. We have a logging company. Um, 90% of what we do is within the reservation. And so our jurisdiction, of course, falls under the tribe. And so the tribe had a uh, had the mandate, the mask mandate, longer than the county did, right? And so we had to, to go through it. Uh, it was harmful. I think that years from now, as we continue to study this pandemic and the mandates that came out and, and everything, we're probably going to all end up to the same point that it really wasn't super effective. I think there were better ways to combat um, um, this uh, this disease, uh, the spread. Um, but I, you know, it's 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 tough for small business. You know, we, we've the federal government spent a lot of money trying to keep things alive, and you can't walk down Yakima Avenue and not see the harm that has been done because of of because of lockdowns. Yeah, you know, I'm as as I sit on city council, I talk to a lot of different businesses and, um, you know, they're still trying to get their feet back from under the, you know, get back on <laughs> solid footing um, since the lockdowns and they're still almost in fear of more lockdowns, right? They're like, man, I don't even want to invest into our community uh, with, uh, you know, more businesses. I've talked to actually a couple coffee shop owners who have thought, uh, you know, I was thinking about doing three or four different coffee shops around town, um, but now I'm just I'm just going to stay put with this one and kind of because I can't I can't afford um, for the government to keep shutting us down. Um, so I, I do think that's really important. Um, you know, I, I'm going to wrap it up with the last question um, is, uh, you know, in 2020 and 2021, um, you know, in 2020, we had uh, Vicki Baker, Ron Anderson and uh, Norm. Uh, right. His name was Norm. Right. Um, and Norm Childress. And during that time, uh, you know, I, I said that I feel like the county got kind of gut punched because all of this COVID stuff uh, was like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? At the same time, uh, you know, we had an election. Fast forward 2021. Amanda McKinney's in there. Ron Anderson um, and LaDon Lindy. And. Amanda has been probably one of the most strong, you know, she's been very strong against the governor when it comes to COVID mandates, COVID lockdowns, um, stuff like that, you know, basically bucking uh, what he has said or done. Uh, my question to you is, would you be in a similar mold as that? Would you be protecting people's individual rights um, and being as strong and forthcoming um, as Amanda has been? Uh, or would you play more of that? Uh, behind the scenes, let's try to get things open type of role. Um. So for me, I mean, I absolutely have no problem being uh, vocal about it. I think that uh, it, it's, it makes night and day difference when you can, as a whole county, uh, as a commissioner base, uh, as a group, send statements on behalf of a county versus one individual. Um, I, like everyone else, uh, these one man mandate rule, one King Inslee, it's not it's not been good. It's not been good for business. It's hurt us a lot. It's hurt a lot of folks in our county and across the state. And we're, we're starting to, to see that continue. I think we need to stand up to Olympia, stand up to uh, Governor Inslee and, and let him know that we're not we're not taking this anymore. Um, as you know, that it gets very technical and very there's a lot of legality of what a county can and can't do and what jurisdiction the state has and, and, and whatnot. The one thing that I always have in the back of my mind and, you know, we always get 
nervous as a county of what issues to challenge and what issues to end up into legal dispute, right? Because it costs the taxpayers dollars. But my argument is, is that we got to be strategic in which which issues we challenge, but we need to push back. And if that means getting into legal disputes in order to make sure that uh, the rule of law is held and that local government can remain local government, I, I would I would look at all options. Yeah, I mean that's actually a, an interesting segue a little bit with you know uh, because typically our county has not necessarily wanted to go down the legal avenue of actually fighting for. Um, you know, it's citizens' rights and certain things. They've mostly settle. Um, they've settled lawsuits. Um, and, you know, most recently was the redistricting. That's actually why District 2 is. That's why you're in District 2. That's why you're running um, was redistricted. All of them are uh, now up for election. Um, <clears throat> with District 2 being 90% city municipality, right, between City of Yakima and Union Gap, um, you have an interesting role running in District 2, right? You don't have a whole lot of unincorporated Yakima that you're actually, you know, you don't have as many well water issues. You don't have as many, um, you know, septic or sewer issues because those are all handled at the city level, right? Um, so what what is that role that you're going to play as a District 2 commissioner? How are you going to expound upon that? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. And I think we'll if I'm elected, it would be a great opportunity to show you what the future of a District 2 commissioner should be. I think, from first and foremost, I think District 2 commissioner needs to do a, a great job of representing the constituents of the district, right? And I think the way you do that is a stay, be that point of contact for the city of Yakima and the city of Gap. Now they've got one dedicated commissioner that should be, should know all of their municipal issues that they need assistance with the county and whatnot. So I think that's one good thing. Um, what I have always worried about redistricting is that you get this urban versus rural kind of complex. And so for me, I, I live in the city, but I work out in, in an unincorporated county. I work, uh, you know, we have farms, we have a cattle ranch, and we also do logging. So I, I, I bring a unique sense of what it's like out in rural uh, Yakima County and where we need roads and, you know, and, and, and you know, how do we support our farmers and our ag community, but also what are the issues within the inner city and, and how can the county help assist in certain ways? So I think it's going to be a balance. I think I'm a unique candidate that has experience on both sides, but um, I, I sure do miss the old the old districts. I think they were very much more quick uh, for our county, uh, doing a good job of dividing the city into basically thirds and having representation and constituents on, on all issues. So, yeah. Well, Kyle, we're going to wrap up with you, but is there anything you'd like to say to folks out there, why they should vote for you, how, how to get connected to you, where to find you, all of that fun stuff? Yeah, well, thank you once again for, for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, folks can check me out at, at kyleforyakamon.com. I would love to have coffee, uh, grab a beer, or just a, you know a phone call with anyone. What I would say to folks is I'm, I'm very passionate. Um, I, I want to give back to my community, and I'm given this opportunity to serve as county commissioner you really are, you're going to get a young person, I'm 29, but you're going to get a young person who is going to do his homework, who is going to make sure that the constituents and the stakeholders of Yakima County are aware of, of any issues at, at the county level. And what I mean by that is, yes, county meetings are public and yes, they're open and we're required to put a notice in the, in the Herald, but not everyone reads the Herald, you know, and not everyone, you know, needs to take time out of their day to check the government website of what issues are being discussed. I'm the type of person that if I'm discussing water, I, I am doing my homework and reaching out 
Power Girl and reaching out to you know the relationships I have in the ad community to make sure that what I'm discussing and the facts that are being provided to me are accurate and represent all of Yakima County. So with that, I just, again, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Um, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and wrap up the show with some more different news pieces going on in the local politics world. But um, thank you again for joining us, Kyle, and we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Mac Daddy Coffee Roasters. If you haven't been there before, go check them out. It's down at 28 North 1st Street and tell them Accurate Perspective sent you. You guys, this is a great local coffee shop. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. We couldn't do this without you. Again, go check them out, Mac Daddy Coffee Roasters. guys uh we are the accurate perspective podcast we're in the second part of our show now uh we're gonna do a little local politics update and i actually have to do a, a correction because i got kind of called out on the regional crime piece in the last episode we actually had a regional government piece and one of my good friends who actually helped rewrite the proposal uh said matt uh it, you're you're using the old proposal as your example and you're actually bashing the new proposal that we worked on to fix these issues so um you know you need to you it's not very accurate of you and i said dude you are absolutely uh correct there so um this is me correcting that piece so the new regional crime uh service which is now called service um so we were talking about regional government last week where you know uh, we had posed the question who who is in charge of this crime center right who is in who who operates it um well you know in our mind it should be county government it should be um the sheriff's office and different things well the new proposal actually lines it out is that the sheriff has operational control right so anything to do with investigative um, support um <clears throat> intelligence uh, any of those things that the sheriff would actually be overseeing that from an operational perspective, which is great, right? It's law enforcement overseeing law enforcement. It's the chief law enforcement guy <laughs> or gal, whoever it is in the future, actually overseeing the operational control. Um, the only aspect of where YV Cog would actually still have um, some say or uh, peace in is actually on the HR slash hiring, firing, finding talent, bringing in those type of people to actually work with the sheriff's office and these things. Um, and I've asked the question, why do we even need that? Why can't the county also do something like that? Um, I don't know if it's necessary. I mean, when I've asked that question, it's always been, uh, well, the county doesn't go after the talent. They don't go after the talent well. And so what ends up happening is the county loses the talent um, because either they don't pay well enough um, they don't offer them what they're actually um, equipped for, right? Some of these guys and gals that uh, they're looking to try to bring in here, these are like FBI, uh, DEA. Um, I mean, they're high up uh, type trained people that are that were local Yakima people and then 
left Yakima to go uh, do other things. So I think there's a piece of that. But Dave, you mentioned something, too, that's an interesting perspective on that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, you have all these employees in that one center. What if something happens within that center between employees? God forbid, sexual harassment, verbal abuse, whatever it is. So why VCOG is handling the hiring and the firing, but are, all, are they also handling evaluations? Are they handling disciplinary action or will they not get into that? And then if they don't handle it, who's handling it? Is Sheriff Udell now handling HR issues between employees and should he be? Um, I think this kind of begs a lot more questions and maybe in the future we can have a representative on from YVCOG, Sheriff Udell on, or whoever else is involved to kind of get the full story um, with some really good use cases. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility for it to happen at a workplace, right? We have to be prepared for it and here's why, right? If something happens, God forbid something would happen like that, but the, the county gets sued, who's ultimately responsible for the finances of that lawsuit. It's me, it's you, it's Lindsay, it's the other parents of the county. I want to make sure that these employees are being taken care of. Discipline is happening if it needs to. And we're not spending any extra money that we don't have to. Right, right. And, and I do think what I make clear is like the crime service, um, it's actually been relabeled too. It's a regional crime service, not a crime lab, which is kind of funny because a lot of our local news keep calling it a lab um, because it provides uh, a lot of intelligence support between ballistics, tracking, uh, rapid DNA, stuff like that. But that's like intelligence um, support, right? It's not necessarily the, the, uh, the analysis behind what they're trying to create here. Um, and we all know Yakima's got huge crime problems. <laughs> I mean, we, we have unsolved murder problems is, is what we have too. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, in Sunnyside we're we're seeing shootings like, gosh, uh, every other day, I mean, stuff is going on down there. Um, you know, if you're in Sunnyside, I'm sorry, um, because it's, it's bad. It's a war zone. Um, and you know, so I, I do believe we need something. And I think it's just trying to iron out um, what that something is, because I, I, when Dave brought up that question about HR, like what happens if this happens? I went, gosh, that, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure why the cog already does their own HR, right? They exist and they have things, but they're not dealing with a ton of different employees. They're dealing with, you know, seven, ten, you know, different employees. Um you know, so it's a little different when you start dealing with uh, a crime service. So that's a good question. Um, you know, maybe we can have uh, a couple of them on uh, that have been working on this proposal hard. Maybe Sheriff Udell or, um, you know, the, a couple of the guys working on the proposal. Yeah, I'd have follow-up questions, and they can hear them right now so they can bear it. It's, it's what problem does this solve? Are we going to solve more murders? Will this prevent more murders? Will this prevent sexual assaults? Will this solve rapes? What What is this going to do for the citizens of the county? If it's just another building with some more employees looking over data and there's no metrics to base the success of the center on, there's no point to have it at that point, right? So it's like, what, what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? And then how are we going to measure success in the future? Right. I mean, exactly. Um, keeping on that crime topic. Uh, so over Cinco de Mayo um, in Sunnyside, we actually had a shooting where it involved a minor who was 13 years old who shot four or five different people. Um, I believe it was five people. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it's crazy to me that one, that it was a 13 year old who, who committed this. 
Um, but also in the state of Washington, as a 13 year old, um, as a minor, you have a lot different rights um, when it comes to doing these type of crimes. Um, they don't prosecute like you would if you if they were an adult. So it's an interesting one to battle because it, it, if you're a gang leader, who are you going to have do these crimes? Right. <laughs> um, and uh, what happened recently was our, uh, you know, so the 13 year old actually was sent home. Um, so he was arrested for the shooting in, into the crowd. Five people were hit with bullets. Authorities say the 13 year old Angel Mendoza is a known gang member in Sunnyside. And he was firing at another gang member at the festival. Well, <clears throat> after all that, the shooting, um, what ended up happening was the teen is not going to face charges as an adult. Right. So the prosecutor, Joe Brusick, said the teen will be charged and tried in juvenile court. But during a pretrial hearing last week, the 13 year old was actually released from juvenile jail. Um, and the judge blamed the Sunnyside Police Department, saying that the department failed to provide reports in a timely manner. And so he's actually been released to his mom and his dad. And, you know, this goes back to the crime issue. If we're going to get tough on crime. I mean, it's not just a county perspective that needs to change. I really do think our state has to have some, you know, come to Jesus meetings, so to speak, on uh, this issue, because they're just going to continue to use kids um, to commit these crimes. And if we can't prosecute them, if we can't put them, you know, they, they committed an adult crime. Right. It, I get that you're 13 years old, but you you shot somebody um and and you should have to face the ramifications of that um yeah. to your you know, point matt like criminals know the loopholes they know that they know this is how they can potentially get away with something as violent as this and so they're going to keep utilizing it and you know crime is one way right punishing crime is definitely one way but what is happening in the homes where the dad's at, where the mom's at. And I understand that there's circumstances involved where moms and dads can't be around because they have to pay the bills. But what about the neighborhood? We've gotten so far away from the neighborhood taking care of the neighborhood kids when the parents can't be around that things like this are starting to happen more often. Um, unfortunately, it's a prevalent event in my old hometown of Philadelphia. It's happening. They had a 12 year old walk up on, um, uh, civilian closed officers who were sitting in a car fired at them. The police officers wound up shooting back. And guess what? The police officers now fired. So we're having law enforcement officers put in a position they shouldn't have to be put in, deciding whether to pull a trigger against a 12 year old or not. Mm -hmm. You know, but again, it goes back to the home and it's not only the parents issue. It is, it's a church issue. Where's the church at too? Let's be honest. Uh, and where's the neighborhood at? Um, you see the kids walking around your neighborhood without any parents. Are you going out there and talking to them and speaking life into them? Because if you're not, and if their parents are not, guess what? They're finding that camaraderie on the streets. Right. Uh, listen, I didn't know all this. I uh, joined forces with Chevy Cortez and the love project and played basketball and just listened to those kids and listened to Chevy and his experience. And this is what I got from it. It's, it's a love thing. That's why he calls it the love project. Right. My yeah, turn. no. And I, I think that's really uh, important, too, because on on I would say the Republican side of the aisle. Right. Uh, we just say, well, just lock them all up, man. Just, that's how we get rid of this crime. Let's just punish it and get done with it. Um, but it still doesn't address the the ble the bleeding. Right. Which is mm -hmm. the home 
the home problem. Um, I mean, I remember as a kid going around uh, in my neighborhood in Phoenix, which I'm just going to tell you, it's not it's not much different than Yakima. We had a lot of crime, just a lot more people. Right. I mean, six, you know, two million people versus a hundred thousand in Yakima. Um, So but in Phoenix, as a kid in the 90s, I mean, I I would go around, ride my bike. I'd go to the neighbor's house. I'd go around the block. I'd. I, I would leave during the summertime. I'd leave in the morning and I wouldn't yep. come back until lunchtime. Maybe, maybe if, if how, I, how old do you think you were when you were doing that? How young? Cause I was pretty young when I did that. Oh man. I think I was probably about seven or eight years old going would you around. Like eight year old do that now in Yakima. No way. Nope. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And I mean, that's, that's the, that's the sad part. And I, you know, I wrote about yeah. it actually on a blog uh, or not a blog, but a, on a Facebook post of saying, you know, we have to address the home piece. Um, it, it, it's sad as a society that we haven't been able to, that, that kids can't do that, that it's not safe for kids to actually go and, you know, go around the block and talk to their neighbor friends and hang out with neighbor kids and, and parents know parents, parents know each other. They know what the, the parent down the street is, you know, like, I know that person's good and they're, you know, um, and we just have stopped being neighborly and we've stopped being, uh, involved in each other's own lives. Um, you know, my grandparents <clears throat> in Phoenix actually knew every single neighbor up and they lived in a cul-de-sac. They knew there was, uh, about 35 different people that lived on this cul-de-sac and they knew every single one of them. Right. And so when I'd come over and play, I'd go up and down the street and hang out and do whatever. And everyone knew me and that's just <clears throat> not the case now. And I think that's why we're seeing these young kids be targeted by gangs and then the law is written in a way that we can't we can't actually enforce <laughs> different things um but then also we're still not addressing the issue and it's the home life um so i think mm-hmm. that's really important maybe we'll have uh, chevy on sometime too to unpack it a little bit more because um, i think i really do think people are they're sick and tired of it they're sick and tired of the crime they want to be able to have uh, you know, like we're going to have a birthday party and not feel like we're going to get shot at outside. Right. Right. Um, you know, at one point it feels like it's still not any better, but the crime was concentrated in certain areas. Right. At one point right now it's all over. I think we just had a shooting at the, the Rocky mini Mart where somebody was fixing their tire and somebody just rolled up and shot three people in the middle of the night. What are we doing here? Right. Like you can't right. even get, Go to the gas station anymore <clears throat> excuse me you can't even go to the gas station anymore i'll be honest when my wife goes out to target i'm always reminder or walmart or wherever just hey be aware of your surroundings please we shouldn't have to do that but we have to yeah well Lindsay, like you you're a mom you're out there how do you how do you feel about that um well i just really agree with what you guys are saying as far as speaking into kids lives i mean it's like the sense of community is gone And that's something we could be doing right now is getting out there and getting to know your neighbors, speaking into the kids' lives. And then they have that respect. Like they don't want to go and tag your house or do stuff to your house because they know you and, oh no, she, you know, I might get in trouble. You know, you, you just have this, um, they might not be getting that at home. So just speaking into your community's life, like that's what we've really lost as a community. Um, that, that just is really sad. People are just in their bedrooms on their phones and not out you know, around each other. Uh, another thing is just being part of your family, fatherlessness. Matt, you posted about that. What It's like 40% of households in America. Is that what it is? Are fatherless right now. So it's 18.5 million. 
crazy. Children we, experience fatherless we homes. We men need to step up in our neighborhoods. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a kid at a park without parents around. I just go up and talk to that little boy. What's up, man? You want to play? His eyes and his face they just light up. Right. And then they see me the next time and they know Mr. Dave's a good guy. Right. And then they play with me or the kids. And now you become a little, little friendship and maybe that changes the kid's life. Right. And it's like, Lindsay, where did you just come from? A VBS, right? You're speaking in the Mm -hmm. kids' lives. You're donating your time. It's probably your off day. You, you could sit in your house, but instead you decide to go out and help out kids and speak. They're going to remember that for the rest of their life. I took part in um, the Heights baseball camp last year. We changed probably 60 lives and I still see those kids and they still remember me to this day. It's amazing what a little time does in a little kid's life. Absolutely. Well, especially, especially with you guys who are good dads, like just speaking into other kids who don't have that, like it's so important, mm-hmm. Dave, Matt, men who are listening, speak into kids' lives who even aren't your own because they might not get that anywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a guy who is a product of a fatherless home, I mean, that was me, right? I didn't have a dad. Mm-hmm. And um, at least for most of my life, I didn't, you know, and I've actually rekindled that now. But um you know, anytime there was a man that spoke into my life, uh, I mean, it completely changed direction of my life um, in mm-hmm. course. And it, it set correction as well. Right. It was like, hey, dude, don't do that. <laughs> right. <Good point. laughs> um, and it, it, it altered the course of going, oh, OK, thanks. I didn't I didn't realize that was a bad path I was on. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're dudes out there and you're, you know, uh, you've got kids and you see fatherless homes like go volunteer somewhere, go volunteer with Chevy down at the love project and yep. go play some basketball. Even if, you know, maybe you can't play, like I'm thinking about going down there and actually just refing Cause I'm not sure if I can keep up with these guys on the court. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't even know if they'll let me ref. Uh, with you. So, uh, but go down and hang out and do that stuff and just, um, you know, be open to it. So we're going to move on. Cause we still got a lot to unpack here. Um, so on, Wednesday, so two days ago, I'm trying to remember what day it is today. Um, two days ago, we had the Yakima County Commissioners Forum. Uh, so we just had Kyle Curtis on. We're going to try to get the other, uh, we already had Amanda on, um, but we're going to try to get LaDon and both Steve Saunders on. But they they had a great little uh, forum. Uh, got to unpack a lot of different things. Uh, interesting responses on some things. Um, not as clear of responses on some things that I would have liked. One was, uh, you know, our parents, the primary stakeholder, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, a little, a little bit interesting. Um, I know they actually all meant what they were saying, right. They, they do believe that parents are the primary stakeholders. Um, I think they were just lost in the question, to be honest with you. So um, because what they actually communicated out, I was like, Okay, well, that's that's what parents are. The primary stakeholders are. <laughs> so, yes, and drop the microphone. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes, and I'll just tell you this: from a politician to another, to any other candidates or stuff that you're. Sometimes just saying yes and no is all you got to say, right? Yep. That you don't have to go into uh, 25, 40 seconds worth of a response. It can just say. Yes. Parents are the primary stakeholders. Thanks. Yep. Question answered. Um, so it was good. There was a good show, uh, good turnout. I mean, um, you know, we probably had about, about 80, 90 people there. 
Um, and it was really fun. We we're down at the Holiday Inn. If you guys want to watch it, it is recorded. Um, so if you want to see kind of who the candidates are um, on the Republican side, we actually just had all Republicans after the primary. The Liberty Caucus is going to try to have um, another one uh, with the top two. So um, after that point, it was just hard to kind of throw it together with any other candidates there. So, um, but if you want to check it out, if you go to the Yakima County uh, Republican Liberty Caucus Facebook page, it's the first video that's on there. Um, Chris Corey moderated it. So you'll actually see Chris Corey right at the start. So his face will be right there. So Chris, if you're watching, uh, your face is plastered all over the internet. So we're expecting Star Wars trivia questions next time, Chris. Yeah, we were kind of sad that he didn't uh, do that. So uh, <laughs> uh, moving on, Dave, you got something to talk about. I got something. I got some big news today. Uh, I'm sure you all heard about it. The Dobbs opinion came out today. This morning, the Supreme Court released their official, not draft, their official opinion on the Dobbs case, which basically it does overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, for our Democrat friends out there, that does not mean you can't get an abortion. Let's be clear. This just gives the power back to the states and the constituents, right? So for all the Democrats complaining that they can't kill babies, listen, you just have to go to a different state at this point, okay? It's back to the states. In Washington State, I'm sure it's still out. That's not the most important stuff. I mean, it's a, good, it's a great day for us, right? Like, it's been 50 years coming that this was in, they said that this was in the Constitution. It's obviously not. However, some interesting stuff I saw today. Looking at the discourse of the last month or so, whatever, since the draft opinion was released, right? What are abortion rights activists complaining about? They're complaining about the fact that they cannot get an abortion anymore. You know what they're not talking about? How do they support these mothers if abortion is illegal? They're not talking about supporting pregnancy centers. They're not talking about getting men back into the house. They're not talking about how can we send these women back to school after they have their baby so they can learn a trade or get a degree to support their family. They're not talking about any of that. I just found that quite interesting. Um, and, and to me, what do I get out of that? Like, this isn't about the women. This isn't about human beings. It's about control on the left, right? They can't control them anymore. Um, the last thing I'll say on the Dobbs opinion is thank you to Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she did not retire and she died on the bench, it gave Trump an opportunity to fill that seat with one of the best Supreme Court justices we'll probably ever have in Amy Coney Barrett, who, if you didn't know, is a staunch Catholic and has seven kids. I think two are adopted, right? And because of that, that's why we have the overturning of Roe v. Wade, thanks to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a Democrat. So thank you, Ruth. Appreciate it. Um, one, one last thing is that the worst rhetoric is probably going to come out, right? Um, the Democrat media complex is just getting started. This opinion was released six, seven, eight hours ago. Just keep an eye out this weekend. Um, as you go to your church, uh, be vigilant as you go to churches, even in Yakima Valley, everybody wants to say that violence won't happen here at churches, but I think we've seen it at about 20 pregnancy centers since the Dobbs draft opinion was released. Um, I don't know if they've hit churches yet, but unfortunately, I'm assuming that they will be targets in the next coming weeks. Lindsay, what do you think about all this? Well, you know, the pregnancy centers are being attacked, like you said. Um, and just for people who are listening or watching, if you don't know what those 
uh, involve. I've done I've done a lot of um, fundraising at the local one, and it, they're really kind of apolitical. They don't get into a lot of politics. It's all just like, hey, for free, we just want to show you what your baby looks like. We want to. Sorry, my pug is trying to get in my house. Um, we want to show you that you have a living human being inside of you. Um, we want to pray for you. And if you choose to get an abortion, we don't provide those, but we'll pray for you afterwards. Like it's so non-judgmental. They give you free uh, parenting classes. It's just nothing but really good things. Like they only love on these women. They try to help them. You know, sometimes pro-lifers are uh, accused of being only pro-birth, but they are giving diapers up to the first year of life. They're giving, like I said, parenting classes. Like they're really, really helpful to both the woman and the baby. So it's not just this, you know, have the baby, we're forcing ba- birth on you without caring about the mother. That's just so far from the truth. So yeah, I think it, I think it's interesting um, too. The, you know, the comments that our president actually said was, uh, you know, this removed a constitutional right. This actually put it back into the constitution, <laughs> if um, and, and restored. Um, actually what was taken away and actually put it back to the states, which is, I think, a huge win actually for the Constitution and our country as a whole is that this has always been and will be a state's issue. Um, And that's the one piece that I think um, people are losing and just buying into the buzz feed of, uh, well, you just took this away. Well, no, I mean, if you live in Washington state, it's not changed. And these other states that have uh, let's say banned abortion already. Those are people who, so those laws were put in place by people who were elected by the people of that state. Right. So they're making laws legally (laughs) to ban something that they have every right to because of the Supreme court ruling. Right. So I think that's really important that it's not just, well, it's just these dang Republicans. Well, they're representing the people that put them there. So, Take that to the federal level, Matt. Who, who is what party is in the White House? What party uh, is majority in the Senate? What party runs the House? It's all Democrats. If they wanted to codify this, they could have done it. They have the majority. They just can't find a consensus within their own party. So now Biden comes out and he blames everybody else. Here's the other thing. Here's the here's the presidents that there have been since Democrats had the opportunity to codify Roe: Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, H.W. Bush. Clinton, W. Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden. That's 10 presidents. They had the opportunity to codify this if they wanted to, and they never did. So, like, spare me the complaints now. But now they want to, they're going to want to break the filibuster and all that. So, um, yeah. And I just saw, you know, I've kind of mentioned violence. DC is boarding up right now. Just all social media. Gosh. Um, all right. Well, we're going to end the national piece now because we do try to keep it local. But, uh, Lindsay, we have some fun stuff going on. What do you got? Yeah. So for those who want to hear us go a little more uh, in depth on certain topics, we do have a blog. You can find that on our website, perspectivecast.com. Um, we have uh, about four out so far. You can read them, see what you think. And if anyone has any requests, like you want us to deep dive a little bit more into certain topics, contact us, let us know, and we will do what we can to answer questions for you, find information out for you and do some uh, accurate perspective on some of these topics. Absolutely. Um, And that leads me to my uh, piece here is uh, I'm going to give a disclaimer 
Um, so as an elected official, as a city council member, um, I, I just have to I'll, I'll be giving this disclaimer at every podcast um, because I want uh, folks to understand something. Uh, when I when I express an opinion on this show, uh, that is my opinion. It's it's mine. I'm allowed to actually have an opinion as an elected official. Um, it's not the city of Yakima's opinion or stance as a whole council. So I want to make that very clear um, to folks out there that are watching and going, oh, that's how the city of Yakima feels. And I go, no, no, no. This is how Matt Brown feels as District 6 representative of Yakima, um, not the whole city. And I have to make that real clear um, that you know, it's okay for me to have that opinion. And I, and I really try hard to tell people this all the time. And even on this show, in my opinion, right. When we're talking about city issues or we're talking about any of those things. Um, but I'm just saying this now as a disclaimer, um, that any of these things that are said here, this is not a city of Yakima, um, official stance on anything. This is a Matt Brown in my opinion. So, um, we're going to wrap up the show. We've been going a long time now, uh, but I'm going to talk a little bit about our partners. Uh, we have a couple of them. We actually have a couple partners now, guys. Um, so we have Center for Self-Governance. Yeah, we're moving up. That's right. Um, so if you go to centerforselfgovernance.com, uh, we had Mark Hur on on the last episode. Um, he was awesome. He does a whole bunch of great trainings, um, political leadership uh, for the 21st century. They're great trainings. If you're thinking about getting involved in your school boards, PCO, uh, or you just want to further your knowledge on what is going on in the world um, and around you and how you can actually be a part of solving some of these issues, um, go take these classes. So it's centerforselfgovernance.com. And the last one is, uh, you know, there's this great local coffee shop in town um, and you know, we typically will have meetings sometimes there. I'm all over the place. Uh, it's called Mac Daddy's Coffee Roasters. Um, and they're down on First and Yakima-ish. Um, and, you know, go down, check them out. They have great coffee. Uh, you know, they have a great atmosphere. I think they have open mic nights on certain nights of the week. Um, really cool place to go hang out. Um, so I had a you know, this is their plug from the show is go, go check them out. Tell them the accurate perspective sent you um, is made with freedom and love. So go drink. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for those that have said, you know, uh, during the lockdowns and different stuff, Mac daddies did not shut down. Yep. And I think that's a really cool thing for that, for that place. If I remember their owner was pretty outspoken too. He was trying to stick up for other small businesses, not only his own in the downtown section, he was very loud about it, which is awesome. Yep. Um, all right. So, and, and now how can you guys support the show? Right. So if you go to our Patreon, if you go to patreon.com slash accurate perspective, you can join our tiers that are there um, where, you know, even if it's just $5 a month, those things help us keep the show going. It pays for the website, pays for advertising, pays for uh, getting this word out um, to you guys. So um, help support the show that way. Again, it's patreon.com slash accurate perspective. Uh, and if you can't do that, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, uh, find us in your podcast catcher, whatever app you are. Um, we literally are on all of them. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, anchor, just find us on there. Um, <clears throat> and support the show that way and share it, share our articles, share our, our podcasts, um, share it out to your friends and family. We're trying to really reach the Acoma community and keep them informed. Um, you guys have anything else to say? We'll wrap up. 
thanks for your support. And we have a president who needs to be told where he needs to sit um, on instructions, on a card. So if we have any local politicians who are doing that, I guarantee you I'm going to find out. And then I'm going to make sure everybody else knows you're running off of a script. Just a warning. Because it's pretty embarrassing. That's my last take of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Lindsay, you got anything? You're good. Well, we can't hear you anyways. Some some reason, your microphone. Anyways, guys, we loved having you here. And we will be back in a couple weeks uh, where we'll be unpacking some more stuff. And we'll see you then. Have a good one. Um,